Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to Robin Wesleyan Church at Home. My name is Brock. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Welcome to our service. Uh, I've got a couple announcements as we get started. One is that we have no idea who's watching this. We, we see that there are people who view it, but I don't know who you are. So we'd love to hear from you. Would you please uh, send us an email or comment on this video, how you're doing, maybe something that you're thankful for, as it is Thanksgiving and God is good. Even in these really weird days, God has good things for us. So we'd love to know who you are, how you're doing. We want to walk with you. So please let us know how we can be of service to you. Uh, but a couple of announcements. The first announcement is that this week is the first week signing up for the Christmas Choir. So if you have any interest in that, you can email the church office. That's admin at roblinwesleyan.com. Uh, one other announcement is that Trunk or Treat is going to be on this Halloween. It's uh, Halloween's on a Sunday. So what a fitting day for us to shine the light, the love, the unconditional love, which tastes like candy maybe, uh, the love of Christ into our community on this dark evening. So you can come to the church parking lot from 5 to 7. There's going to be a bunch of trunks, cars here. Uh, and we'll decorate them. We'll dress up in a costume. Uh, I think I'm dressing up as a hunter and my wife will be the deer. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. Decorate your trunk. Fill it up with some candy. Not literally full, but that'd be a lot of candy. Maybe you should. If you have a truck, that'd be a great plan. Uh, but you can come. You can register, and by signing up at that same email, admin at robinwesleyan.com, you can join the trunk or treat. We can share the love of Christ with our community in such a simple way. And if you are a parent of children, it's a very simple, short drive to come to one place to get a whole whack of candy. So come to the church on Halloween, 5 to 7, in the parking lot. We'll be inside if the weather is awful. We'll be outside, social distanced as it's easier outdoors. Uh, another announcement, the youth group is back on. So if you are of teen years, uh, we'd love to partner with you, to walk with you. Thursday night, 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. It's a good time. Uh, we also have a bunch of events this fall. If you want to just come and have some fun. That is the fun stuff. Uh, so just as we get started, we do have in-person services at 9 and 10.30. I said 11 o'clock last week. That was wrong. The subtitles here are correct. And yeah, 9 and 10.30 here in person in the building. It's a great time. I'll be there. I'd love to see you there. Uh, and if you want to give, you can give uh, through e-transfer to roblinwc at gmail.com. Let's pray as God comes and encounters us. God, we thank you that you are here and that you are so faithful and good. God, we look to you and we love you. Would you help our hearts to be warmed to you? We wouldn't be far off or distracted. Focus our hearts now. Focus uh, the rooms we're observing this in that we could encounter you. We love you, Jesus. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're in part two of our series here today. We're looking at all that Jesus commanded us. Because at the end of his life here on earth, in Matthew 28, his last words to his disciples, he said, Go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Last week, I was starting off my struggle here, inviting you into my thoughts that I'm a pastor, and I, I don't know all that Jesus commanded. So I've started this study. I encourage you to join me. I'm just reading through Matthew, and every time I see Jesus command something, I'm, I'm really chewing on it. Why did you command this, Jesus? What do you mean? 
So last week, we looked at three things. First commandment Jesus gave was to repent, because the kingdom was near. His kingdom was near. And repent, it's, uh, it's not a feel-bad word. It's uh, change your mind, change your focus, your understanding. So let's focus on the kingdom. He also commanded us to remember him actively in this mystical meal that is communion that we partook in last week. Maybe it's the mundane act of eating any meal. Maybe it's the very special Passover Easter meal. But he wants us to remember him. And last, final point last week, was uh, he assumed that we prayed, and he told us to pray in a certain way. And that's how we closed our service, and I want to dig into that a little more. But I think his commandment of how to pray is a response to many of the problems he highlights in how we follow his commandments. So, we pray collectively in worship for his kingdom to come, for more repentance, which is interesting. We're asking God, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, to change our mind, to change our focus. So, hmm, let's, let's get into this. Matthew 5. If you've got a Bible, I'm kind of floating Matthew 5, 6, 7 in there. So the Beatitudes, that's Matthew 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' sermons that we have written down, and he makes these summaries of uh, different attitudes. We call them the Beatitudes. It's a list of identities. He describes a bunch of states of uh, living, and he says, happy or blessed are the blank. Um, and there are a bunch of circumstantially bad, hard situations. Also, we are light and salt, he said. Um, he's said he's not against the Old Testament law. He's here to fulfill it, to embody it, to show what it really meant. And there's a bunch of clarifying uh, explanations he have of how the law was more of an example than a limit. Uh, so he, he says the law says don't murder, but then Jesus says it's not okay to even call someone an idiot or a fool, something that our culture is very tolerant of. Uh, the law said no sex outside of marriage, but Jesus said it's actually wrong. Uh, it's more than that. It's Sorry, the law isn't wrong. It's, it's more than that. It's wrong to even lust. And then he says the law said keep your promises. And Jesus said that we should be more than that. We should be faithful in all that we say. That when we say yes, it means yes. When we say no, it means no. That we don't need to emphasize our words with a promise. That our words are true. Jesus is calling us to faithfulness, to be like our Father. He also talked about how the law, it said repay wrong for wrong, uh, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. You've probably heard that saying. It's uh, a verse from Leviticus. But Jesus said, uh, no, that's not it. It's not about giving them what you received from them. Jesus said, don't resist them. Do them kindness. And then he goes on that... Uh, Leviticus said, you know, the, the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus 18. But they seem to have added, Jesus is quoting the Bible verse, and there's an addition to the Bible verse that seems to be the cultural understanding. It's love your neighbor is the verse. They seem to think, and hate your enemy. And Jesus said, no, love those who hurt you. Ah, Jesus, these are... These are heavy words. How can, we, how can we do this? These are big, hard things to do. 
I don't know if you struggle with all these, but you probably struggle with at least one. And maybe you disagree with it being right or wrong, too. But uh, some background here. There was kind of three different camps of religious leaders in the day. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Three different groups of spiritual leaders. So the Essenes, they were the extremists. They lived in a desert. They were kind of like monks before monks were a thing. They lived in the desert. They lived very... Uh, secluded lives, very simple. John the Baptist, we're pretty sure, was one of these. He wore just camel's hair and ate bugs and honey. A very simple rural life. Uh, it's these Essenes that we got the Dead Sea Scrolls from. Really cool if you want to read up on something. But there's this extremist religious group. Then there were the Sadducees. They were the uh, descendants of the Old Testament priests. They're uh, like spiritual blood blood which isn't really a thing and their theology got really messed up and they relied more on their lineage than on their relationship with god and then there was this other group these pharisees these moderate believers moderate jews who sought to follow god in the city in the real world life and they they had these different things that they'd say well this is how i read the law this is my reading and if you follow my way, you're my disciple. And that's their reading of the law. And you see these different uh, experts in the law, different Pharisees questioning Jesus on his way. So to be a follower of one of these makes you a disciple of them. You want to follow and emulate their way of life. And Jesus indicts the Pharisees in Matthew 23, uh, in the end of 3 to the beginning of 5 is what we'll read right now. He's talking about the Pharisees. For they preach, but they don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they aren't willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Jesus is indicting these leaders for coming up with all these rules, this explanation of the Old Testament law that they themselves can't accomplish. And maybe you're kind of wondering what some of these things are. Uh, there was an Old Testament law that said you should wash your hands before you eat. And that's smart, good, let's wash our hands, you know. Um, but where does your hand end? Is it there? What if God meant hand is here? I don't know where my hand ends. So. Uh, these Pharisees said, well, when the Bible says wash your hands, I'm not sure where your hand ends, where your forearm begins. So we're just going to wash right up to our elbows, and that way, safe. Uh, the Bible said not to work on the Sabbath as a means to give us rest, that we would trust God. But they said, like, well, what's work? How far can you go? How much can you do? Uh, so they said you can, you can feed your animals, and if they're in trouble, you know, help them. Don't let them die. Uh, but they made up a number of steps you can take. On the Sabbath. And these rules, they became overemphasized, that they cared more about the specification beyond the rule than the purpose behind it. And Jesus is trying to get back to the purpose behind it here that the Bible says, don't murder, but it's really about your attitude to the people around you. Uh, the Bible says, don't have sex outside of marriage. And Jesus is really saying it's about your relationship. Is it pure? Is it focused on loving them or loving yourself? The law said repay wrong for wrong and kind of assumedly right for right. But 
if it's eye for eye, we all end up blind, right? And Jesus is saying we need to be gracious. How can we do this? Jesus, it feels like you're laying this very heavy load on us. It's, it's even more harsh than the Pharisees' reading of the law. How, how are you doing this? And it's a little bit exasperating. Jesus is saying we're the salt of the world, we're the light of the world, we're supposed to be uh, a source of brightness and preservation and flavor and goodness. Uh, we're supposed to be happy in the face of all of this pain and suffering, and pure and gentle and kind, even in the face of opposition and of violence. Oh, that's, that is hard. And I was reading this again uh, today, and confronted with 548. I encourage you to go there right now in your Bible. Matthew 548. Jesus has been talking about all of these, these things that we are to do. And I wanted to say, I don't think Jesus is laying a heavy load that we can't accomplish on it. But then 548 happens. And it says, be perfect. Your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. That is... That is unattainable. I can't do that. I fall short every time. God, this is, this is too much. I am not perfect. I cannot measure up. And I think this is his plan. He doesn't want us to be able to accomplish these things without him. He's not looking for people who can measure up. It's good news for me and you. That time has passed. That was what Adam could have done, and Adam failed that test. And then the whole Jewish history up to now, the law very clearly articulates all the ways we don't measure up. Uh, I've heard it said that the Old Testament, the, the way all the laws are written, and then the stories that are interspersed, if you study it a little carefully, it's actually that here are some laws, and then here's the way that Israel broke these laws. It's not that the law was slowly revealed over time. It's more like the, the storyteller, who we think is Moses, who wrote the first five books. He told them all the laws, and then here's the laws. Here's when they broke those laws. Here's some more laws. Here's when they broke those laws. And they just couldn't seem to obey God. They, they couldn't follow. They couldn't be perfect. They couldn't measure up. If they could, the, uh, the sacrifices, they would have worked. They wouldn't be necessary, right? But the Jews had to continually offer sacrifice. So Jesus is saying at the start of all this, repentance. Repentance is the goal. Uh, and repentance isn't, it's not about feeling bad. It's about changing your focus, that we're focused on him. It's not about sorrow or contrition. And those things aren't bad. Psalm 51, 17, a broken and contrite heart. He won't despise. It's the sacrifice that he desires. Our sorrow for offending him is what allows our relationship to continue. It's because Jesus made the sacrifice, and as we walk with him and we apologize, we feel sorrow for our mistakes, for our wrong, offensive focus. This, this sorrow for heading in the wrong direction, stepping on toes. That's what God loves to respond to. And then we change our focus from our own sin back towards God, and we focus on him again. And it's this refocusing 
that is repentance, that we learn to walk and follow him. I think we might do well to aim to be a good retriever. Uh, just last weekend, whose uh, season opened up, I think it was, and I woke up Saturday morning, our window was open, and it sounded like there was someone in our driveway with firecrackers. But the, uh, the guys were out trying to get all the birds. And uh, I think we would be good to consider the retriever. They are eager to do all they can. They are eager to be sent. The master, the hunter, he's done the impossible. He looked up in the sky and saw birds flying by. The dog makes all the noise he can and never brings a bird down. But the master, the hunter, just makes this one big sound and the birds, they fall out of the sky. The miracle. <laughs> the impossible happens. And the dog hopefully has been watching the master and what he's up to. And if he's worth anything, he'll be sent out. He'll find all that God has done, the master has done, and bring it back. And he does it only to seek the praise of the hunter. And he returns to his side and awaits the next moment, maybe the next opportunity to see the hunt continue, for God to continue the work. God, he doesn't use us because he needs us. He uses us because he wants to do life for us. He's not unable to accomplish what he asks of us. He could do it better, quicker, faster. Um, but God seems very interested in process. Have you ever considered the creation narrative? Uh, that God created the whole world by speaking in seven days. But the, uh, the first day, uh, if God spoke Hebrew, I don't know what language he speaks I don't know what language Adam spoke, but in Hebrew, it's only three words for when God said, let there be light. God said three words for a whole day. If you read the creation story, it only takes a few minutes. It's not like God was tired. Why did he, why did he wait after he said, let there be light? He waited and he looked and saw that it was good. And he was content. He was pleased. And then the next day, he waits again. Why is he waiting? Why is he not just saying all the things all at once? He could feel all of his contentment all at once. And he could have made every human ever. And then given us an opportunity to choose him. And that would be done. And eternity would commence. God is very interested in process. He's looking for opportunities. He's looking for an opportunity to engage with us, to engage with you. So every day that you engage with God is one well spent. And every time we go through a day and miss the opportunity to experience him, like you're on that road trip and you look out the wrong window and miss the sight, uh, we, we missed it. Too bad. But he wants us with him. He wants us to work with him, that we could see him work and see how amazing he is, because he's trying to invite us who rejected him. He's inviting us back into relationship with him so graciously. So let's, let's turn to him. So when he says, be perfect, uh, this word for perfection, uh, there, there's a couple words in Greek that mean perfection in our language. Uh, one of them is like the perfection of maturity, that I am a, a grown man, I am mature, so I am, in one sense, perfect. 
that I have finished growing. I'm not going to continually get taller, probably. Hopefully I stop growing wider, um, that I have completed my growth. Uh, and it's a, a sense of perfection. And I think sometimes when Paul talks about perfection, he uses that word. Uh, it's like a fullness, a completion. But that's not what Jesus uses here. He says, be perfect. Not lacking. Ah, oh, man, I am full of lack. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to be perfect. Jesus is calling us into something deeper. Uh, I'm a new dad. My sweater, I don't know if you can see it. It says the dad. Uh, babies do in 65 days if she's a timely person. Will she if she's tardy or eager to get out here? Who's counting? I am. I am counting. Uh, and I'm trying to wrap my head around what it means to be a father. So if you have any good books or articles, I'd be open to finding more to read. I've only found a lot of reading about how to be a good mom, which isn't very helpful to me. So, uh, yeah, there's not seemingly much on fatherhood. Uh, and I don't know if you have a baby. But everyone has parents. It's a kind of necessity of life. And it's this uh, relationship, though, that is so varied and non-universal. Good relationship with our parents. And your view of your father affects your view of God. He calls himself father that he's the first father, and we are all more or less like him when we operate in that. And I'm, I'm sorry if you had a father who didn't represent God well to you. Fathers are meant to kind of be a trailer, a teaser of who God is, that we could know him when we need him. But our families are broken and full of hurts too, aren't they? God wants... To fulfill and fill in and heal all the, the cracks and hurts and lacks that were given by our earthly families. Family, it's an expression of who God is. Humanity is this elaborate illustration, opportunity for us to engage with Him. But our brokenness mars this image, it blurs it out and rubs, rubs dirt in it. But he's still working with us. He still longs for us to allow him to heal our But it is not painful to consider, remember, the hurts caused by our family. But God wants to take you there and to cleanse the wound and cut away the rot. But I think sometimes we lack the courage to press in in these hurting areas. I love to operate in areas of my strength. I am not very keen to show off my uh, Even with God, I don't know why we hide so much. Maybe it's a, a response to previous traumas. But we don't want to show our hurts. God wants to heal. So would you uh, enter into your wounds and allow God to bring healing? Ask him what he wants. But my baby, my, my daughter that I'm soon to meet, I'm so excited to see her. 
I don't know if you're seeing how all these pieces fit together, but God is our Father, and He wants so much for us and from us. He wants us to be like Him. And I would love my daughter to be like me in the areas of my strengths, that we could go on hikes together. I just did a really crazy hike this past summer in New Brunswick. It was uh, 27 kilometers of mountains and two kilometers of elevation gain. And I started feeling very strong. And by the end, I found several little muscle groups that were no longer strong. And I would love to bring my daughter on one of these crazy hikes. She is not ready. She can't stand yet. She's not even born. How could she come with me? But I'm so eager for her to come and join me. Think, hope. Children are kind of like ready-made friends. I, they're kind of stuck with me for a decade or two. They, they have to come with me. It's going to be fun. I think God wants to bring us into similar relationships. He, he's gracious and forgiving when we are weak, when we are unable but he wants us to be with him forever. And he wants us to be uh, all together, a kind of bride for his son. But he doesn't want us to be unequal. He wants to raise us up into strength, to be like him. Now, my daughter, when she comes, I know she's going to need. She won't be able to change her own diaper or use the bathroom or feed herself or dress herself, let alone amuse herself in any way. She's going to rely on me so heavily, and I'm so excited to lose sleep over all of this. I want to give her my strengths. I want her to experience the, the fullness of life as best as I am able. I, I don't want her to worry about anything. I don't want her to worry if there's going to be food or if she's going to be warm enough. I want her to just be able to tell me these things. I am so eager to look after her. And for a long time, I'm going to have to look after her without her asking for anything. But I'm so excited for the day when she can ask me something and I can give it to her. And I think I'm starting to understand part of God's heart. That he has looked after us. The Bible says that every breath is from God. Every moment of your entire life has been him looking after you. And he made the whole world as an opportunity to engage with you. And now... He's just wanting you to ask him for something so he can give it to you, so he can help you in your struggle. So Jesus, when he is teaching about his way, his way to walk through this world with all of these commandments, he's saying, this, this is the right way to go. I know it's hard and heavy, and you can't do it on your own. Adam tried to do it by himself, and he got, got messed up. And the Israelites have never been able to do it. The people loved God and followed him and trusted him. They, I think they were able to walk in his strength. Uh, David, this man of great strength and power, he is king. And when he was a boy, he fought lions and bears. I don't know if they had tigers. It'd make a better quote, wouldn't it? But David, he's, he is a man's man. He was just a little guy, I guess. But I am kind of scared of robins. But David... He fought off lions and bears with, I think, his bare hands or with his sling. Wow, what a man. And he's the king of a country. He has all power. He has armies. But if you read the Psalms, he is a man who desperately cries out for God's help over and over again. 
And there was one Psalm, I forget the number right now. You can look it up. Uh, but he cries out and he says, my strength, don't be far from me. A prayer to God. The God is his strength. His strength is a person. It's not an ability that he needs God to be near. And God so wants to be near. So we're in this wonderful paradox where God wants to be close and we're crying out and he's so eager to come and help. Now these days, they are messed up. Maybe it accentuates your brokenness and your loneliness. Feel that wound maybe of solitude or of being misunderstood. Who alone with your hurts. God wants to be there. At the end of kind of this teaching that Jesus is giving, he says, don't be anxious about your life. Have you ever told someone not to worry? I've been really trying to figure out, like, Jesus, it's not very good psychology. Don't worry about it. Has that, has that ever worked for anyone? I, I don't think it does when we say, stop worrying. Oh, thank you. I didn't know I should stop. Now that I know, I will. It's great advice. What are you trying to get at, Jesus? And after he says this, don't, don't worry about your life. You can't add time to your life. He said, you worry about your clothes and what you eat. But the birds are better fed and the flowers are more beautiful and they matter so much less. So I, I kind of had this revelation that God looks, takes better care of things that don't matter, like wildflowers and little birds. He takes better care of them than I can my own life. My worry is not just unhealthy. It's ineffective. It doesn't work. All of my scheming and planning, it doesn't work. And God says, will you, will you just follow me? Will you walk with me and focus on what I would have you focus on? And that's repentance, right? To change your understanding, to change your focus. If we would turn to him and follow him, we don't have to worry about today or tomorrow or any kind of sickness or our employment or where we will live. Because God father who cares for us he longs to satisfy you he also has a knack for uh kind of leaving things to the last minute and pulling through and maybe it's uh it's just kind of a motherly instinct in us you know i'm sure you've seen maybe a, a child jump into their father's arms and the mother usually panics a little don't drop him um and the dad usually seems to just shrug it off like why would i drop him i, I love this kid it's my kid and it's kind of a game of how far can the kid jump and how low can they get, how long can dad's arms be out. And it's this great game of trust. And it's, it's really fun as children. Um, my dad used to throw us up in the air and it felt like, you know, you were skydiving almost. And there was no shoot. It was just, dad's going to catch you. And it always worked. And I don't know where that, that shifted in me that I no longer feel that way about everything in life that God's just gonna catch me it's gonna work out I don't know how I'm free-falling it'll be fine the ground's getting really close really fast but I have no fear of hitting the bottom because God's got me why would I worry it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't change anything when I worry and God the one of all power who loves me to bits who died so I could hang out with him he's got me I don't need to worry. And that's, that's a commandment of Christ. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing. 
to to be commanded to feel a certain way because I think anxiety is a definitely a feeling it's not a I don't know where I was going with that but it's it's a feeling it's a real thing it's an internal reality and to be commanded to not feel that how do I do that well I think it's in repentance it's in changing my mind about something it's in changing our focus that we focus on God that he has us and that when we see something that would threaten our peace that we would say to God God what do you want to do about this like this is bigger than I can deal with. Would you, would you come and fix this? My strength, my help, don't be far away. I need you right now. He loves to come in and rescue, probably at the last second. So develop your ability to live in the tension of, I don't know how, it's coming down to the wire. There, there's the ground, it's rushing towards me. It's going to be okay. God has us. So Jesus, he's commanded us. He's commanded us to pray. To our Father. He wants us to be like Him, to be strong in Him, to be strong in community, and to be unstained and not lessened by the troubles and pains of the world. That we could echo God's love everywhere we go, regardless of what the world dishes out to us. That we are a mirror. Mirrors don't get dark when darkness is around them. That we would reflect God's light. So let's endeavor to keep in repentance, that we could bear fruit. Let's endeavor to be perfect, to be perfectly trusting of God, that we would always turn to him, that we would always trust him, always focus on him and what he would have us do. God bless you. May you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, be all glory, honor, and power forever and ever. Amen.